Welcome to It's a Streamable Life, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era, with your hosts, Lauren and Brandon. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of It's a Streamable Life podcast, chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. I'm your host, Lauren. And I'm Brandon. And we're here in the final week of July. Time is really, really slipping away. Yeah, moving very quickly. Yeah, halfway through the year already. So we will open again with our question of the week. Since he was sort of in the news uh, indirectly on Twitter and he has an upcoming film, I believe on Netflix coming soon. uh, What is your favorite Eddie Murphy film? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh... Let me see. Favorite Eddie Murphy film. Definitely has a lot, but um, oh man, this is really tough. I'm I'm gonna have to go. Okay, I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna do two. I don't care. Doctor okay. Doolittle. <laughs> okay. Probably because you know I was a kid and um I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. He was talking to animals and I was like that's hilarious. Um. And then Harlem Nights, because I watched that with my dad. And that's one of, like, oh, there's so many memories of just watching that movie that just cracked me up. There's so many things that we still just joke about from that movie. So those two, but yeah. Okay. How about Uh, you? For me, I would say uh, Boomerang. Oh, yeah. Because even though I saw it, like, much older, which, I mean, as I should have, it's, it, for the most part, so it holds up today, and there's just so many comedic moments that we use today from right. in that film. And then I would also say Harlem Nights because that's a classic. This is so and funny. Anytime it's on, yeah, it's hilarious. It's, it's got a great cast. It's yeah, it's hilarious though. But um, I don't know if you've been watching the CNN movie things. Uh, the, the they come on Sunday, their whole movie documentary. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, but on CNN, the movie things, I've been watching them, and, oh, and then when they got to movies of the 80s, they had like a, I think it was like a five-minute section just talking about how how Eddie Murphy exploded and how talented he was and how sought yeah. after he was. Yeah, he was sort of like, he's a legend, and he yeah. sort of propelled the sort of black comedic actor for the 90s, like he said. Right. At the bar, and yes, a lot of people wanted to like replicate right his success and even like his films and stuff. Right, but definitely, he's a trailblazer, and I'm I'm excited to see what he does in his upcoming film. Um, I am Dolomite. So. Right, yeah, and uh, yeah, we get off him, but then I just have to add in, you know, Shrek and Mulan too. Like those were huge. Yes. Yeah. His so. family foray. Yes. Right. <laughs> And I will say one of his underrated performances is Bowfinger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steve Martin. That's like one of his understated performances, I think. Right. right. That was in the 90s, late 90s. Yeah, yeah late 90s. Anyway, <laughs> that rests the question of the week, and we will get into our new segment, which is kind of small, but it gives us time to discuss some other things. Yeah. Um, first off, in random news, because kind of grabbing that straw here, but... um. Riverdale's playing a tribute episode for Luke Perry in season four. 
and they cash in and Dory, I guess, in the guest appearance. I'm not sure in what way, but no, that that should be interesting. Yeah, it could be. That's huh. that that whole uh, Beverly Hills like cast is getting a lot of play because they, of course, in that reboot, which they hope Perry would be a part of, right? But um, he passed before they started shooting or whatever. So yeah. um, that would be interesting. So I had someone tell me the way season three ended so I can start season four because I just don't think I'd be able to watch it all. No, I oh, I gave up on Riverdale. I'm sorry. Just Yeah, I might take a peek at it just to see. But yeah, a lot happened evidently. So Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for that one. And second, we have a warm media set today for HBO Max reveal. Yeah. I believe it was October 29th. They'll have some type of an event, sort of like Apple does every year. Yeah. Conference to sort of explain the streaming service and all that's impact, all that's impacting what series will be there, how it will work, probably pricing, because it doesn't debut, I think, until next year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like the middle of 2020 or something. Yeah, yeah. So we've got all these streaming services gearing up for the next age of television, I guess you'd say. While we're talking about it, I I was thinking about this because I've seen a lot of people get deals with Amazon, a lot of stuff dropping on uh, Hulu and all that. And I think Netflix is in trouble, man. (laughs) Definitely, because... I have to agree, like yesterday, the amount of emails I get emails from Deadline and TVLine.com. Right. right. And one after another was Amazon signs deal with this person, Amazon signs deal right. with this show. And I'm just like, Amazon's really trying to step up because honestly, right. none of their original works other than Homecoming have I watched. Like, right, right. So they're stepping up. HBO Max is planning to have right. a plethora of stuff. You do have Disney Plus coming. Apple Plus. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They're really not contender right now, but Netflix really is in trouble because they don't have any no. new properties that are that appealing. A lot of their shows are ending because they started early. Right. Um, other than Stranger Things, nothing is tentpole over there right now. No. They need to I, I was they need to like step back. And really think about their plan because their originals are kind of ass. Like, mm-hmm. Because one thing that Amazon has that kind of is, is like, wow, is that first of all, they get a lot of the smaller shows. But then when those movies come off the circuit from the film festivals, they go straight to Amazon. And then it's like, and then you have to wait like a, like a year or so for them to get to Netflix. I'm like, wow, man, that's, I mean. Right. And plus, with HBO Max, they'll get first dibs on CW shows, and it'll be like right. a year or so before those episodes will get on Netflix. And Netflix was a pivotal part with that CW deal because shows right. like Bill and All American both got second seasons because people streamed it during the summer. Yeah. So That's I'm not sure what's going to happen. Netflix, and plus the price keep going up. Right. Oh, yeah. And the, and the quality's going down? Get the hell out of here. Yeah. To add on, and then we'll move. Um, and that thing you sent me about HBO, one of the first things they mentioned is that Netflix is going to have, I mean, HBO is going to have like live sports, which, oh, I mean, what? that's 
yeah i mean that's their whole thing like they'll have that live element but that's a i mean that's different from a streaming network so netflix doesn't have anything live no i'm not sure how they would do it like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah and so. honestly you're right their shows are kind of coming down this recent season of black mirror was not no as decent not as solid all the way through yeah orange is the new black finishing this week house of cards went up in flames Stranger Things has one season left, hopefully. Right. Other originals, they've canceled. They just canceled that Tuca and Birdie show, which I never watched, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, they've got to figure something out, and I don't know what what's old on there that people watch since certain shows, Friends in the Office are leaving. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. I, the only thing I could do is maybe they go like the international route, man. Try to put... None of the streaming things here really have like BBC shows or something. I, I don't know. Right. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll, see. we'll definitely be watching that closely. Uh, next, I think I'll, I'll skip down and then we'll hit the Harriet thing last because that's sort of like a larger. Yeah. That's probably topic. the best. But um, HBO announced their uh, the documentary series for the rest of the year. And one of the first ones to bring is a doc on the Atlanta child murders. Yeah. That's gotten a lot more attention since that podcast right. dropped a few years back. And plus, true crime is is sort of on the tip of everyone's tongue. But um, I went through the list, and not a lot of them grabbed me. But this one, and I think the one about the Apollo, yeah, and then the one where the two cops are combating crime with like mental health, right, right, yeah treatment i thought that was pretty interesting too i saw um on on the topic of the atlanta the atlanta child murders i'm not sure if you watch mindhunter which is on netflix we just <laughs> ripped into netflix but mindhunters is a good show on netflix about uh, uh kind of like cops at the start of the wave of serial killers like in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. that that's going to be a focus of that show too yeah, I didn't watch the first season, but I did see that by Mountain. I heard it's really good. So that's now it might be something I get into before second season. Oh yeah, it's really good. I think and I got halfway through the Monster podcast. I didn't finish it. Yeah. But um it's crazy that for the longest time I had never heard of this yeah. case. And now that's coming back, there's still questions of whether they got the right guy or not. Right. So it, it, that's exactly right. I I think I heard about it on maybe watching ID or something, one of their thousand crime shows, and they mentioned it. And I was like, what? Like, all these little black kids got killed and nobody said anything? Right, right. Which isn't a surprise, but... Exactly. So maybe um, that doc will will change, you know, the the course of justice or right. something. But someone, someone knows something. Right. And, and since we're on crime... I'll add this. Uh, Lifetime is doing a surviving Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, I saw that. For all this, they, they were crumbing on, beating down on the black man. Right. They were crumbing <laughs> on a monster, okay? Right. And so. Hulu's planning a Harvey Weinstein documentary in September. Yeah. Yes. So everyone's getting their up compass, okay? Right. Calm down. <laughs> exactly. And finally, in our last bit of this new segment, the Harriet trailer dropped. First, I want to first get your thoughts. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I watched it. Okay, what did you think? Just off. Uh, 
off it was good it was very good it's kind of it was moving i won't say i got like emotional but it was a it's a story we've heard but to kind of see it brought to life was like wow like so yeah it looked good it looked powerful same i um i i thought the trailer was okay i wasn't yeah. moved like i thought i was going to be right. i think more chills toward the end of it like right right oh and had the gun and stuff that sort of stirred me but um yeah, I'm I'm waiting for a second trailer because I wasn't really moved with that one. But um, in addition with the trailer for Harriet, which comes out November 1st, the film about um, Harriet Tubman starring Cynthia Erivo, there's yeah. the backlash yeah. against Cynthia because of her remarks about Black Americans and um, several tweets mocking um, Black Americans since I guess five years ago or so. Yeah, specifically Black American women. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, people are in their right to criticize her for that and, and sort of demand sort of some type of apology or, or atonement for that, which she's done. But um, people aren't letting it go. Now, me personally, I don't think we shouldn't support the movie just because of this casting. Right, right. Me personally. I just hope the movie is good. Right, because if it's not... <laughs> right. Because, yeah, because I don't know... I, I Be the first to know, I don't know anything about the African diaspora. I can tell a Nigerian from a Yerbo and all that stuff. Right. So to me, she's she's black, and that's what Hollywood sees is black. Right. Not so much. Well, that's a different topic. But whatever issue she has with black Americans, that's her issue. And hopefully, she gets out of that. Maybe she has, and people are just holding this against her. But I don't right. think it should diminish the story being told. No, no, I think the story should be told. But um, kind of goes back to the episode we did when we talked about the British and American actors and I, I don't know I, I still feel some type of way that like an American actor wasn't picked for such right. for a role like this but uh, I don't know it's yeah it, it, stay on topic about her I, I do hope that she's kind of grown from that and isn't doing that anymore or, or, or you know her thought has changed yeah that. definitely and um because for me, honestly, when I think of Harry Tubman on screen, I don't know if you watch, but Underground in the second season. Yeah, I watched some of it, yeah. Had Aisha Hines as Harry Tubman, and she did a phenomenal job. There was right, even right. one episode where it was just her giving a monologue. Like, the entire episode was her giving this speech. Wow. And she killed it. And, of course, that show was canceled. So right. I, I'm that's what I'm comparing it to. And that show right. tackled... Um, the rally of slavery so differently not from like perpetual victims but like they show the abolitionists and the fortitude people had to fight back it was more action type setup so hopefully this it will be a different adaptation of course but hopefully it's solid yeah yeah because I would hate if it was not good right because I don't know you yeah, yeah. I don't 
they'll stop there. <laughs> uh, one more thing, uh, trailer-wise. Uh, did you see the trailer for the Mr. Rogers movie with uh, Tom Hanks? I have not been meaning to watch it, but I heard okay. it pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he doesn't look like Mr. Rogers, but that's okay. But he's kind of got the mannerisms down. And, um, but I'm curious to see how that that comes out. Yeah, because I still need to see the documentary. Oh, yeah. The documentary, low-key. I know you. The documentary will probably make you cry. <laughs> oh, I'm guessing. I'm looking forward to it, yes. Yeah. It's, it's not somewhat sad as much as it's just like, damn, man, he was really a pure person, you know? And uh, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so looking forward to that movie. I, oh, what's it called? I really just spaced I, uh, it. I think it's called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah that all up but yeah that's what it's called so um that's all the news we have for this episode concludes the ill list and we will maneuver to our not segment where we discuss the um seventh episode of the eight episode long season of euphoria yes hbo's hit show about teens and drama and Psychopaths. Right, right. What? So this episode um, was entitled something very long. It was uh, something about trying to go to the bathroom while you. Yeah, trials and tribulations when you holding your bladder. Yeah, like something that fat. So basically, to start there, Rue is sort of like in a manic depressive state. You know, she. not going out of her room, watching reruns of Love Island. And she sort of explained that this is sort of what is part of her disorder. Right. And um, throughout it, she's, she's, of course, narrating, but um, we see her struggling to use a bathroom because some type of uh, message not going to her kidneys to let her use the restroom. Right. And um, it's sort of harsh it's it's some of the harshest physical performance she's done since the early episodes i think yeah yeah definitely but um from there uh she's trying to piece this hypothesis about why jules um this hypothesis over around nate getting off for this assault basically and how jules is involved and she almost has it but not quite. Yeah, she's not got all the pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And so. um yeah, so that's that. And then our backstory today was on Cassie. Yeah. Um, which was like the rest of them, pretty sort of sad. Um yeah. we learned that her parents um eventually got divorced and her dad has a terrible accident, which sort of leaves him dependent on drugs he becomes an addict and leaves and um she's always looking for that fatherly figure in her her partners so right. and kind of along the same lines of how they did mckay uh i kind of wish we had more of her but obviously there's more they have to get to yeah so because it wasn't that shocking or no unfamiliar and i kind of wish i know i guess she's a supporting character but 
Lexi's in the house too. Like, why couldn't we get right, right. both of their perspectives? Right. Because obviously really it hasn't affected Lexi as harshly as Cassie. No. No. But yeah, I wish we had gotten those dual perspectives. But um, we get Cassie's back score because, of course, as we saw from the last scene, last episode, which I did not catch, she's late. Yeah, yeah, she's pregnant. And um, she's trying to figure out what to do, and she asks her her friends, her sister, Kat, Maddie, what's the other girl's name? The, the Who? The girl that vapes. She's just like comedic relief at this point. Yeah, I don't know her <laughs> Anywho, she asked them for help, and Maddie, you know, I guess she wants to come clean to McKay, and Maddie says no. And then it all ends up boiling over into an argument between Kat and Maddie, and Kat storms out. Um, Which was interesting. I think Kat sort of realizing her new persona, what's the word? It's having an ill effect on some people. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it was just that. Yeah, it's that's pretty much it. That I mean, it's for her. It's good. It's lifting her up. But yeah, she's she's kind of come somebody different too. Yeah, people have known her the longest. Yeah, and uh, speaking of her, she meets a new mystery man, which I hope yeah doesn't turn out to be some type of terrorizer or something that was just yeah but um let's see what else is happening cassie's pregnant she tells mckay Mm -hmm. and mckay sort of tells her honestly you know we're not ready but it was just sort of his technique it was a little harsh yeah um but he's right he's not ready She's not ready, but he reassures her that she'll be a great mom someday, which sort of leans to maybe they'll be together right. for a while, which I think they will, honestly, because neither one of them are going anywhere. Um, so that wraps up Cassie. Let's maneuver to Jules, because she sort of had a big arc this episode. Um, shaking up, of course, from what Tyler forced her into doing. She she uh, goes back home, I think. Hello? Brandon? Yeah. Lauren? You there? Yeah, I'm there. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, what are we... <laughs> so, Jules, um, she goes back home, right? Right, yeah. She goes home and meets up with her old friends. And, well, at least one of them her friend, I... I didn't know if the Anna chick was or not. That that whole situation moved quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think she was like an acquaintance of her friend or whatever. And um, I did like how they focused on her transitioning, like sort of talk through that thing. I think for the audience mainly, just to show what it's like. Right. That was informative. And then, um, you know, they go to the club and she's basically there to get to rid herself of the thing that she did. Like, try to forget it, try to bury it, and it comes up when she gets, um, when she's at the rave, and that part where it's between Tyler and Rue and the girl, right? that was trippy. Yeah, it was very trippy. Well, 
Yeah, she called him Tyler, or he said his name was Tyler, but it was actually Nate. Yeah. It, it kind of showed that Rue was kind of right, right, and that Jules is somewhat enamored with Nate because he is, he was Tyler to her. Right. Right. And they share so much, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. how cruel he is. Right. To go back on Rue, though, her whole, montage of she and Lexi being detectives. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was great. I love that. And that's why I like this show. It it inserts those those like fantastical parts in there. That was yeah. really good. Yeah, because I mean it's heavy. It's a dark show and then you just drop a little humor in there and it works. Mm-hmm. And her exchange with Rick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He needs to go. Yeah. He, oh yeah, he's probably the worst choice. But <laughs> I can't remember that dude's name, but he's actually really funny. The guy that played yeah. boyfriend. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we see Jules finally, you know, she goes to text uh Rue saying that she missed her. And Rue's finally asleep. Yeah. Finds her sprawled on the floor in pain. Um so yeah. And then I think we'll maneuver to Fez. Yeah. Um, he has a interaction with Nate because Rue Rue asks if he would sort of threaten him to get off their backs because she knows he did something with Jules and that Tyler boy. And um, Fez at first isn't here for it. You know, he thinks she's crazy. Right. But um, when the opportunity knocks, he sort of takes it. He just says straight up, you know, if you don't leave him alone, I'll kill you. Right. And he said, so straight face and cold. Yeah. And of course, that was a mistake on Fez's part because Nate is diabolical and he calls the cops. Right. On Fez and their his little um operation and. That could really hurt him because I'm pretty sure he's selling drugs to take care of his grandmother. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Because we get we see that um, Nate mentions he dropped out and starts selling drugs. And I think that's all because they forgot to take care of his grandmother. I hope we get an episode about Fesco. Yeah, I, I really do. I hope next week is like focused on him while wrapping up everything else. Yeah, because he deserves. Yeah, man. I mean. I don't know. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair to yeah. to kind of dangle him out there and not give us much more. Mm-hmm. So. And did I hit everyone that they highlighted? Uh, pretty much. I think that was it. Yeah, they didn't. They yeah. They didn't. They didn't stay on one person too long. Right. So. It was a very early calm episode, which I guess and they did. Because it's the finale and they're going to snatch our wigs. Yeah, it's probably going to be ridiculous. And then we're going to have to wait another year. <laughs> exactly. But I will bring this up. I noticed last night on Twitter, there's a discourse um, that people were feeling uncomfortable with the fact that Rue's mom isn't as involved in her life as they think they should. And a lot of people were like, um, you know, sh- if that was my mom, she'd take the door off the hinges, you know, she, she's got her going places by herself, blah, 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 and even after rehab, she seems disconnected, 
And it all seemed to stem from this idea that, you know, black moms are like hawks or yeah. more involved in their kids' lives and more disciplinary. And I just had, I, I saw it and I understood where they're coming from, but that's not everyone's experience. You know, yeah. like, granted, this is based on a white man's story and he probably just, you know, adapted it to this, but not every black parent or black child was raised in that sort of environment that we're sort of used to. Yeah, where everybody's super supportive. So Right, right. So I just don't want to be a disservice to the show and to the performances and the story it's telling because this is a totally new sort of narrative to center, you know, a black family. And I just thought like, as much as we talk about representation and wanting new narratives, here's one here and we're searching for a stereotypical, you know, trope and and calling it authenticity. Well, this is an authentic story. It's just not the one we're used to. Exactly. Exactly. So I just I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And that concludes our uh not segment. Um, we have a kind of short no concessions. Uh, yeah. Did you see any movies or anything? No, I didn't watch anything for the past weekend. Not really. So yeah, uh, we I I started The Boys on Amazon, but just first episode. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. It's it's raw. It, oh. it goes there, and um. It's interesting. I'll, I'll definitely continue it. I've heard good things about it, but it's definitely not your typical hero story. Okay. So, um, no concessions. We'll just sort of head and review this weekend's box office. We had The Lion King at top again for a second week with $75 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tarantino had his highest box office debut with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with $41 million, I think was the final count. Oh. Um. I heard the film was good, and then I heard the film was good, but it's highly misogynistic, which is typical Tarantino. But this is supposed to be based in like in the seventies or something, or yeah, it's sixty nine, I think. Oh. It's like right before the Manson murders, I believe, because oh, okay. I guess Leonardo DiCaprio's character lives near the mansion home and they have some type of interaction and somehow they highlight Sharon Tate and all that stuff. So, I I mean, I'm not a fan of them, but people people that are fans, I've heard it was good, but then I've heard that it's not, it's one of his least yeah. best works, so. Yeah, I'm not like a diehard, but I'll watch Glorious Bastards anytime. That movie is hilarious <laughs> to me, so. Yeah, I think the only uh, movie I've seen is Kill Bill and yeah. Django, like fully. Like I've seen right. pieces of other stuff, but I've never sat through a whole yeah. movie. So, hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have number three, Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the first Spider-Man film to reach a billion dollars worldwide. Wow. That's so to believe. Yeah, um, so I'll need one with that. Uh, Tour Story 4 was number three, and Crawl was number five, which is pretty good. 
Yeah. Kind of stayed but, up. I talked to my friend the other day over the phone, and he was telling me that he went to go see it crawl, and he said it's it's predictable, but it it kind of gives you the feeling like the uh, like which McCall, um, oh, what was that with Ice Cube, Anaconda. Oh, okay. Where everybody's just kind of like stuck in one place and yeah, trying to get away from. It. That's too too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> but he said that's what made it good. So it's you yeah, know, it was like good jump scares, and it was it was fun. So. Yeah, I heard it was fun. Um, and I saw this headline, uh, I think, this morning, yesterday, the top four or top five highest grossing films of the year, all under the Disney umbrella. Aladdin, Toy Story 4, Lion King, I think Avengers Endgame, and I think Spider-Man. Good Lord. So as much as we're enjoying this MCU and whatnot, Disney's out here monopolizing the game right they really are (laughs) (laughs) so that concludes our no concessions and we will maneuver to our feature presentation segment where we are continuing our emmys series of emmys debut or premiere uh september 22nd 8 p.m on fox and we're going through all the major categories highlighting the nominees and seeing who we think will win or should win uh, today's category is Best Supporting Actor, and we have them for Limited, Comedy, and Drama once again. So we'll start with Limited Series, Event, or TV Movie, and the nominees are Asante Black for When They See Us, Paul Dano for Escape at Danamora, John Leguizamo for When They See Us, Stellan Skarsgård for Chernobyl, Ben Whishaw for A Very English Scandal, and then finally Michael K. Williams for When They See Us. So when they see us, it's not playing around. Exactly. They've got multiple nominations in a lot of categories. Yeah. Huh. Well, let's see. Who I think should win. Um, Stellan Skarsgård. And he was oh man, he was incredible in Chernobyl. Like uh, which one was he in Chernobyl? He he was uh oh I can't remember his name, but he was the guy that was always with the scientist, the big tall guy. Oh, okay, that's right. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. And uh, what were we gonna say? No, I say he was good. Yeah, yeah. So he was, he's very good. I can't remember his name there. That's all right. Anyways, um, yeah, I think he should win for that performance because, uh, just kind of the way his character changed throughout the story. You know, he started off this big, right. like, oh, I don't need to listen to this. This is, you know, I know what I'm doing. Then he just kind of softened and got scared and opened up more. So, yeah, that he was had, good. He had the most the biggest character arc, I think, throughout the show. Yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, So that's who I think should win. Who will win? Well, I don't know. Probability says somebody from when they see us should. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Three chances, but they always seem to cancel each other out when it's You're right. like that sometimes. But um, So I'll pick Stone Skarsgård again. Maybe he will win. We'll see. Okay. For my pick, um, I, I'll have to go sell on Scar Scar because that's literally the only show I've seen all of in this list. Right. I've only seen one episode when they see it so far, and there isn't much to go on yet. Right. Those three performances, um, but I did hear think good things about Sante Black, which I did okay. not know he is Samara Wiley's nephew. That's why they look exactly alike. Yeah. 
Well, that's news. Yeah. So, um, and I think this is like his first big role. Mm. So, um, I, I'll go Skarsgård with should win. Will win? I don't know. Yeah. I, I heard good things about Escape at Denimara. And Paul Dano is a great actor. Yeah, um, he's really good. He does great in those uh, supporting roles. He was great in um, Prisoners. Yeah. And Little Miss Sunshine. I always remember him from that. Right. And he, so it's kind of up in the air for me, but I'm going to lean towards Dylan as well. But it's going to be a surprise either way. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, it'd be nice for Paul Dano to get something. Did you have you seen There Will Be Blood with the? Uh, no, remember him in that? Yeah, I yeah, forgot. He's yeah, he's he's been doing great work for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Okay, he's doing maneuver to comedy where we have um, Alan Arkin for the Kaminsky Method, Anthony Kerrigan for Barry, Tony Hale for Veep, Stephen Root for Barry, Tony Shalhoub for the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And finally, Henry Winkler for Barry. I think, believe Henry Winkler won last year. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. All right. So we got a little bit more variety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen most of these shows besides the Marvelous Miss Maisel because I don't have that. Um, um, but let's see. I, I think... How, what do I want to start with? I'll go with who I think should win. Um, and I'll go with Tony Hale from Veep. Because, I mean, he, he's been hilarious throughout every season of that show. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's just funny all together. So I think he should win. Um, uh, who will win? That's a tough one. Barry's really good. Uh I don't know if Henry Winkler will repeat, Mm-mm. but this, this is hard. <laughs> I don't know. It would be interesting to see see Anthony Kerrigan win, and he so. Okay, yeah. uh, my show is also Tony Hale. He's been excellent in Veep. Um, and my will win. Um, I think they might lean toward Barry. Yeah, because it's sort of gotten more attention. But then again, this was Veep's last season, and right, they might do that as well. So, I think Tony should get it. And finally, we have drama for best supporting actor. Um, Alfie Allen for Game of Thrones, Jonathan Banks for Better Call Saul, Nikolai Costa-Walda, did I say his name right? I think so. Okay, for Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage for Game of Thrones, Giancarlo Esposito for Better Call Saul, Michael Kelly for House of Cards, and Chris Selvin for This Is Us. Okay. So I've already talked multiple times on the show how I've not watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> but um, I've seen Better Call Saul, and uh, so I would. I'm just gonna go ahead and say for both of them, I'd like to see Giancarlo um, Esposito win for should and who I think will win because okay. he's he's good. He's a good actor. Yeah, I mean, excellent actor. Yeah. I, the 
bit of Breaking Bad I did see is when he sort of entered the series. I said, oh. Right, yeah. Okay. But so, yeah, he's uh, he's been around for a while, too. So, yeah, hopefully maybe he can pull it off. So I'll pick him for both. How about you? For me, uh, as a Game of Thrones watcher, I think sh- – oh, well, let me switch it because I had to switch here. My should win goes to Michael Kelly. Okay. Because he should have won for House of when it was hot. Like, yeah. Yeah. performance as, um, shoot, I can't remember his name. His performance was stellar. Um, yeah. And then my will win, I, I would give it to Alfie Allen. Okay. Um, he plays Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones, and his arc from episode one to seven is one of the most treacherous ones to watch. Mm. But um, I, I would give it to him. All right. In my will win, so. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, Game of Thrones will get watched by me. Just we'll see. Maybe. Maybe 2021, 2020. We'll see. <laughs> It'll still be there. Yeah, exactly. And they'll they'll win enough. It's not like they're going to go empty handed. Right, right. I mean, they got 32 nominations. Good lord. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. All of them, basically. Pretty much. And that wraps up our feature presentation. Um, stay tuned with us as next week we'll actually be diverging from that and getting into our fall TV preview. I can't yeah. believe already. Yeah. Uh, we'll just be discussing you know, what shows we're excited for across network streaming spectrum and uh, what shows we'll actually be watching and what shows we'll be on demanding because there's right. much to see live nowadays. Too much, too much. So finally, um, what are you streaming for the weekend? Um, still, I finally finished, whatchamacallit, The Deuce. So I've caught up on that, ready for that season. And now I'm for real going to start Westworld on Saturday or maybe even before it, I think. Okay. Maybe like two episodes a night or something. And I'll be done with it. Cool. Make sure you take um, notes because. Yeah. 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 Because uh, I'm not missing that when it comes on. I will right. be. <laughs> right. Front and center. Exactly. Uh, for How me. Oh. For me. No, no. I'm done. I was done. Okay. August 2nd, um, Dear White People Season 3 drops. And okay. the trailer, uh, it looks like it's going a totally different direction, which is mm. good because you can't do yeah. the same thing. And they sort of poke fun uh, at a lot of that stuff, which is really meta. Um, so that'll be interesting. Also, August 2nd is the first episode of HBO's new A Black, Li- a Black Woman sketch show. Yeah, forgot all about that. Yes, uh, executive produced by Robin Thede and Issa Rae and starring uh, a host of Black women. The first sketch show written, directed, and all starring Black women. So that should be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Something for the timeline to go up for. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, um, as we always say, uh, listen, subscribe, follow, do all that fun stuff. Um, to the podcast wherever you get them. Uh, make sure you tune in to astreamablelife.wordpress.com for more content. And you can follow us on Twitter at 
ASL Podcast. That's ASL Podcast. Where you can see our posts and interactions for live tweeting and whatnot. So that's been our episode 13, and we will see you next week with our fall TV preview. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to It's a Stream of a Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Your hosts, Lauren Williams and Brandon Williams. Produced by Lauren Williams. Edited by Lauren Williams. Thank you.